Welcome to episode two of the My Story podcast. I'm excited to have you guys here. This is Taylor. I'm joined today by my really good friend, Abby. She's going to be sharing her story of anxiety, life, faith, struggles, and I'm really excited. I'm really excited to have her. Just so you guys know, you can listen to this on Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, and of course our website. And if you listen to our website, please comment because we want to know your story. We want to know what you think. So let's get started. Something I'm really sad, um, you people listening, um, and don't get, don't get to experience is just watching people that um, I interview and other stuff dance um, to all the music. They're just like in their headphones, like just doing their little kind of mo- mostly kind of white people kind of dancing, which is you don't use your hips at all, which I, ca- I guess you can't do in a chair. But it's just like neck head bobbing. So today I'm with, I'm really excited. Um, this is like I said earlier, this is my story podcast episode two. I'm with a really good friend and actually a colleague of mine, um, Abby Weaver. Abby, how did we meet again? I think it was at a like club fair they had at the university. Um, so U of M Flint. So just, yeah. just to give you guys a little bit of context. So the last two years I've worked in campus ministry um, with college students at University of Michigan Flint in Flint, Michigan. And Abby, I remember like you, I think I kind of met you later in the day. I would guess Maybe. of doing that. Yeah, but I remember you coming up and I was so basically I was sitting there, um well standing there and trying to meet people. Um, you know, not all only Catholic students, but basically Catholic students or any student who would want to have like I would like I will offer you free lunch so I can sit down and meet you and then brainwash you pretty much, which I think worked pretty well with you as far Yeah, <laughs> I think it did. Cool. So I'm really excited for Abby. Um I've known Abby for these past two years and I've kind of I feel like there's a transformation that was happening in you before we met, mm-hmm. but I really got to see that happen in some ways, like be a part of that. So it's it's been pretty awesome. She's actually worked for me this past year um, as my intern. So Abby, I guess, I don't know, just describe like what's, so this is about, you know, sharing your story. So I guess, what were you like kind of growing up? What was your family like? Faith life, other stuff. Just go ahead. Well, I grew up um, really good Catholic family. Um, really good home life. Um, you know, I was raised Catholic, but I kind of, I don't know that it ever really was something that I intentionally made my own. Um, and, you know, I just kind of went through the motions with it. Um, but my family was really great. Um, I'm the middle of three kids and, um, I think I always think of my childhood as being great. But I did have a lot of struggles. Um, When I was in second grade, I was diagnosed with ADHD, which isn't a huge deal. But um, I think it affected me when I was a kid because I just kind of, um, I felt like there was something wrong that needed to be fixed. And then um, when I was in fifth grade, fourth or fifth grade, um, was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, which... Um, after doing some research, I found out, you know, the two go hand in hand, but it was really something that I struggled with as a kid. Um, I was always like 
trying to fix what was wrong and kind of frustrated with myself because there wasn't a lot, um, not a lot was working as far as like coping with nervousness, coping with um, only being able to pay attention for five minutes at a time. Um, and I started, it started to get worse, the anxiety in particular. And I remember just throughout middle school, I was bullied a lot just because I was an awkward kid. Um, and I'm kind of an awkward person, but, um, I really internalized it and I started having panic attacks like two or three times a week. It was pretty brutal. What were those like? Um, I remember my mom would try to take me to school in the morning and um, it was always a battle because it always happened in the morning and um, I would just like start to freeze on the way to school, start to just like, I just felt like it was kind of like you wanted to run away, but I couldn't move. Like I would just freeze and not be able to get out of the car and um, it was just like really rough for me and then, you know, and that was kind of the time where like, I was kind of finding who out who I was and kind of developing my own identity. And it was really hard for me to get over that, you know, and I started kind of seeing myself as like just seeing what was wrong with me, you know, not thinking that I was capable of doing things because I would get scared or because I would have a panic attack. Um, and, you know, my faith wasn't super important to me at that time. And I think I just turned to really trying to fill um, that like void with other things. Like I really, um, I wanted people to be proud of me. I wanted that love. Um, And so I started turning to other things. You know, I would do things so that people would like think highly of me. Um, I remember when I was a junior in high school or maybe a sophomore, I don't know. But um, I... When I took some Japanese classes and one day somebody came in and was talking about an opportunity that we could go and do like a foreign exchange student program. And I was like, my first thought was like, oh my gosh, that's so scary. I would never want to do that. But then my second thought was like, well, that would be cool. And I think people would think I was really cool. So I ended up signing up for this and um, I flew from Detroit to Chicago and to Chicago from Chicago to San Francisco and then I was supposed to go to Japan and um I didn't make it out of San Francisco because I just started having these debilitating panic attacks and it was so bad that um I just had to go home what were they like was it anything in particular was it just you know the trip I think you know with my anxiety I had always told myself like this is too much for me I had never really, um, and I think it was probably a lot of my own doubt, um, but with my anxiety disorder too, there was a lot of, especially when I was younger, um, there was a lot of separation anxiety too, you know, it kind of correlated back to me not being able to get out of the car, um, so like any time that I had to leave my parents, um, it was kind of difficult for me, and I was going to be leaving them for quite some time, um, but... Yeah. And so it just I ended up coming home and it was great before I went on this program because I was getting attention from people and I was like, wow, this is really great. People think I'm um, doing something that's awesome. And then I came home two days later and 
um, it was just like, that must've sucked. <laughs> it really sucked. I was just like, I hid, I didn't, I didn't leave the house for like two weeks. Like it was kind of like almost sent me into a depression. Um, and that was the first of a lot of, I think, depression in my life. Um, but you know, I kept, I didn't really turn to God. I didn't turn to my faith. I, um, I didn't really care too much about it at the time, but I, um, I remember I just kept trying to fill that void that I had, um, to be loved with other things. And when I was a sophomore in high, in college, I, um, I met a guy and he was really great. Um, and he cared about me and, you know, even though I, at that point had really started to like hate myself, I really just started to feel like I was never going to be able to do anything in my life that I wanted to accomplish after these failures, after all dealing with all of my anxiety and ADHD. Um, but he gave me attention and it was nice because even though I wasn't loving myself, he still loved me. But, um, in order to keep that relationship, I kind of, I did, I made a lot of mistakes. Um, I, well, to start out when we were dating, when we started dating, well, before we started dating, he was living with my family, um, because he just had some home issues. And so my parents, you know, graciously let him, um, stay in one of our extra bedrooms. And, I was afraid that if my parents found out, you know, that I liked this guy, that he would get kicked out of our house. And so um, we didn't tell anybody. And he had also... um, So it was a secret, basically? Yeah, we kept it hidden. And um, and from friends, just for other... um, He had dated one of my, like, my best friend for years in high school. And so I was kind of ashamed of that. I was afraid of what people would think of me. Um, But eventually the news got out and it caused a lot of brokenness in my life it was just kind of like a wave um what were people's like reaction i guess to it they weren't happy your family and your friends um my family made him move out um which was fine you know we got over it he got over it but um my friend she got really upset with me and um i mean i don't blame her for that And I mean, eventually we did make amends and she began talking to me because I dated, I dated this guy for like two years. And so it got to a point where things were kind of like mellowing out. But I realized at like towards the end of our relationship that I really liked, like I had thought I found what I was searching for. You know, I thought that I was finally, I finally found the love that I was looking for, like, and the recognition, but um, I wasn't as willing to give that same love and I was almost using him as an idol or as like, I was almost like forcing him to be something he could never be. And he was only a human being, you know, and I was kind of expecting it to be this perfect love story, but we're not perfect. No one is. Um, and so at that point I was just really, really down because it was like there's nothing that can really um, fill this void that I have. And I think for the first time, that was where I kind of started to turn back to my faith. Um, 
I remember like we chose to end the relationship and it was during Lent. So there was a lot of opportunities for reconciliation and I ended up going to a service that they had. And I remember just sitting in the church before reconciliation and I was just like reflecting on all of these bad things. And it had been years since I had gone. Um, And I think that that was just like probably the lowest point in my life because I had realized that on top of all of this self-hatred, this self-doubt, me feeling like I'm never going to be able to accomplish anything with the problems that I have, I had now pushed away a lot of the people who loved me. And they still loved me, but I had willingly hurt them in pursuit of some other like false love that was never really going to be anything for me. And I just, I really felt like the worst person in the world. And so I remember I went um, to the priest and I just kind of like bore my soul um, and I was just sobbing. And I just remember him, he stopped like when I was done telling him my sins and he looked up at me and he said, um, you're a daughter of a king who loves you unconditionally. And, you know, being raised Catholic, I had heard that my entire life you know people have told me a million times that Jesus loved me but in that moment I think I first it was when I first really began to feel his love to accept his love um which I never had before and it was like all of a sudden there was this warmth and like overwhelming peace I began sobbing even more um but good, good sobbing. <laughs> oh yeah, it was happy. Um and I just I really felt loved and that that moment was kind of like the tipping point for me. You know, I kind of realized you know, I have all these failures. I have all of this um I've made bad decisions in my life, but throughout all of that he's loved me you know, and that was the first time I was really able to say yes to his love and love him back. Um, and I think since then, there's certainly been a ton of healing that I've had to do and just kind of getting over the self-hatred. And I still struggle with it. Like every day, sometimes it's a battle just to feel good about myself, but it's, so reassuring like there's just this like underlying peace that the Lord gives um that no matter what decision I make or what anybody thinks of me at the end of the day he still loves me and he gave me all of my quirks you know he he made my anxious heart that can only um pay attention for five minutes and like it's just given me so much um courage in my life you know I've gone from somebody who tries to um I used to tend to like take the easy way or the way that I knew would um wouldn't be scary for me wouldn't cause panic for me to now jumping into opportunities and not being afraid because I know that no matter what you know he'll guide me so what are other things in your life I guess that since that kind of turning point that mm-hmm. have 
you know, what, what other events, uh, what has really changed? Yeah. Well, I remember, you know, it was shortly after that, that I moved to Flint after, um, ending the relationship that I was in. And, you know, at that point I was seeking him. I didn't know him to a great extent, but that's when I remember meeting you and, um, getting involved in campus ministry, um, and meeting friends in that, in this community in, in Flint. And, um, I just remember like sensing a joy that people had and I really wanted to be a part of that. Um, and there was just a great community and I just remember like seeking the Lord and I started meeting with Taylor on a weekly basis and kind of like we would go over, okay, how's your faith life? How's your prayer? And things kind of started to get better for me and slowly like as I branched out more, um, my anxiety has started to get better. It's still there. It's always going to be there. But um, panic attacks are few and far in between. Um, I'm managing it because I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of it itself. Um, and, you know, it's just led me to different opportunities, even just working in campus ministry. Um, you know, in this, this coming year, I'm probably more than likely going to be um, heading to Minnesota and doing a service year working with some homeless teenagers. So looking back, kind of maybe to like past year, you growing up, I guess what are some of the advice that you would give to yourself or what are some of the greatest lessons that you've learned? I think hmm, probably the number one thing for me was getting involved in a community, you know, finding friends and people who all have their own struggles and can help you to grow too you know people that you can lean on um, and really just grow with in Christ and I think prayer was huge for me you know that was something that changed the way um, that I looked at my relationship with God so what is prayer for you I guess what did what did it look like when you were growing up and what does it look like now well it was Growing up, we, like my family, um, we always prayed every night together as a family before we went to bed. And, you know, that was great. It definitely started the habit for me, but I always saw it as kind of like a pain. I didn't really like sitting down um, for the 10 minutes that it took because I was a kid, but um, it definitely got the habit. But by the time I was like in middle school, you know, my prayer life was non-existent, you know, and then into college. And then I think it was, you know, meeting with you actually, and you challenged me, you know, to start a prayer life, start praying regularly. And I think it started with like, I would pray maybe for five minutes in the morning and just give that time to the Lord. And, um, slowly it grew. And now I'm praying for probably 45 minutes every morning. Um, but it just, it completely changed the outlook of my day. And I think that ended up changing my life because I was like focused on Christ. Cool. I think that's how we got Abby. Thank you very much. I I just want to really thank you for um, just taking the time here to share your story, but also for being just really honest and vulnerable. Um, I think it's, I think that's something that's really hard for a lot of people to do is be like, you know, this is, this is what's going on in my life or this is what's happened to me and some things that we want to 
lock away. And I know that from you and me talking over, you know, these last two years, you've gotten more and more comfortable with that. But I, I'm just th- very thankful for just you in particular and for sharing. Thank you guys um, just so much for listening. Um, we really appreciate it. Really, we want to be able to be a place where people honestly and vulnerably share their stories. So if that is you, if you have, you know, your life story, you know, whatever it is, um, I know we have a lot of Catholic and Christians and that's kind of what we're concentrating on, but whatever your story is, like, even if you fall outside of that, um, I want to share it and I want to, I want to talk to you about it. So please contact me. Um, you can, you know, SoundCloud, Facebook, call me, whatever. Um, you can find a way. And also, just so you guys know, um, this podcast was um, brought to you by our supporters at Patreon. And I want to thank in particular, particular um, Libby Petrowski, who is one of our Patreon supporters. And if you guys are wondering, like, what is Patreon? Patreon, it's kind of like Kickstarter. So it's a way for us to crowdfund and be supported and for us to improve the podcast and make them better over time, but also just, you know, to make them happen and to pay for all the stuff that goes into us. And so that we can do more things like video and other stuff in the long run. So if you guys enjoyed that, um, feel free to support us on Patreon. And as well, just like share this, um, share this with someone. And we hope that you have a good day. And also that you get the courage to share your own story. Thanks, guys.